Welcome to the Lead with Excellence show, the podcast that dives deeply into topics like scaling a business, international expansion, and talent management. Welcome, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Before we dive into the details of, of uh, what Camille does and so on, can you give a little bit more background about who you are, what's your background, uh, how you stumbled into uh, B2B startups, and then also a little bit more about Cumulio, what you guys do, um, and yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Thomas Eklerk, one of the founders uh, of Cumulio. That journey started more than, let me think, six years ago. But eventually, um, to go way back, um, I am by origin myself an engineer, but by no means a coder nowadays. So I used to be a noise and vibration engineer. Um, one of the coolest experiences, to be honest, in the early days, I was uh, testing on uh, noise and vibrations on cars, on, on airplanes, even on wind turbines. Did that for three years. I really, um, yeah, experienced that engineering, uh, that engineering life. But eventually it started itching to, to do something more on the business development side uh, and moved on, still in the same sector, mainly automotive uh, in, in, uh, in consulting. You might know the company Altron, uh, Thomas. So spent there another yep. two, three years uh, setting up a business unit in automotive uh, consulting here in uh, Brussels, out of Brussels for the, the Belgian market was mainly like Toyota and Bosch and of those players. So that's where I kind of combined a bit of engineering, but more the interpersonal sales uh, skills, uh, so to say. Uh, and then I guess like you spend a year at INSEAD uh, spread over um, as Singapore and Fontainebleau, we need to explore uh, other areas, see where I could eventually end up with in terms of uh, new sectors outside the typical engineering and, and automotive space. And that's how I ended up at Google's so really um, working in a digital, again, sales environment, something I really enjoy. Uh, and also moved to Dublin for a little less than two years. Um, so really digital sales uh, for the larger Belgium companies, advising them, consulting them on how to use the different, and there are a lot of those Google products. Um, and that's how I came to Cumulio. So it's already like eight, nine years in, uh, and one of my youth friends is Karel, our current CEO, uh, who came over with our football team uh, to visit, play a couple of games and, uh, and hang out in Dublin. He said like, hey, I'm working on something, have a kind of first MVP that he was working uh, on with uh, one of his current colleagues at the stage, I mean, at that time, so uh, in the weekend, uh, over in the evenings. And he showed it to me a couple of weeks later, it was also the idea to come back at some stage and, and really start something uh, from, from scratch, basically. I'm from scratch, at least from the commercial side. And that's how um, things kicked off. So we moved back, uh, eventually got our first, uh, first son as well. And uh, started with the three of us and eventually already four with us because Bruno was also on board. Uh, and uh, together with Haroon, CTO, Karel, CEO, we started commercializing uh, mid-2016. Right. So in a nutshell, Thomas, I guess next question is what exactly, do we do? Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, so we're in the space of, like, yeah. Like many exactly. startups, I mean, the, the, the first idea ahead, was, was not really complete one, right? So, so tell us a little bit more about the initial idea. Um, because you guys did also a big pivot compared to where you, you really started. So tell me about that journey. Tell me about that product journey that you had, uh, between yeah. when he comes to Dublin, uh, watching your football, uh, or soccer match, uh, yeah. explaining the idea and, and what you guys are actually doing today and, and, and who you're addressing as a market. 
So Arun and Kai were um, <clears throat> for former BI consultants. So uh, working especially here for for bigger corporates like the Nationale Loterij or eventually a couple of government institutions. And what they were actually doing, they were working for um, business people, so non-technical people that were having a need on the data sites, willing to visualize, uh, extract value from a lot of data they were generating or that was generated within those companies. So they saw that actually they were working on um, lengthy and very costly projects and serving business people typically with very tailored mm -hmm. projects. And instead of actually hiring and paying a lot for those consultants, they had the initial ID and there was prior to all the Google Data Studios and Power BI's of this world to uh, develop um, a cloud platform um, that they could offer directly at a very reasonable price to those business people. So they could actually start leveraging the data they have directly instead of paying um, yeah, decent consulting fee, plus also needing to wait a couple of weeks or even months for that tailored project. They could pay, like say, a very reasonable price and start with the necessary training, uh, or we have an open uh, training library, uh, getting the insights ideally in the fingertip. That was the initial pitch uh, on how we um, started Cumulio back in 2016. And that's also how we um, collected first customers. Uh, we really focused on marketplaces, on of CRM companies like HubSpot. Uh, Team Leader was one of the important ones, Pipedrive, eventually Zendesk as well. <clears throat> Uh, but then more and more, um, of course, on one hand, you, you get a lot of uh, competition coming up. Uh, Power BI uh, came into play. Google Data Studio, which is still like very, uh, uh, is, is, is even free, I guess. Um, but on the other hand, we uh, we started, of course, talking to a lot of the customers we had. And we saw, of course, the whole SaaS space uh, growing along. And more and more, we got even those questions like, hey, why can't we use Cumulio and, and put it in our products instead of connecting it with the SaaS companies or products we already use? And that use case is is, um, is something we, we started pursuing um, very early on. Uh, still within our first 20 customers, I guess we had one or two who were those embedded cases. And then um, yeah, step by step, we saw, of course, the, the potential was way bigger there in terms of deal size, also eventually in terms of churn. If you start uh, work, if you stop working with a certain CRM and you move to another one that doesn't necessarily have a connection with us or have better uh, BI capabilities, uh, we saw also that, that the churn increasing. So that's the stickiness increased the deal value. Um, the sales cycle was not always that longer, I must confess. Um, that was a very natural choice. There was some I mean, some, some dual sales for a year or a year and a half, but definitely, as, as I said, starting 2018, we, uh, mid 2018, we fully shifted to the, uh, we call it the customer analytics uh, experience. So you have, um, you have an additional ID, uh, which is, is, is driven actually by a need or, or something that your co-founders saw in the business. And then as you start, yeah, mm -hmm. developing that, you start to have, uh, a few clients asking you to do something slightly different. You follow those clients and then you, for a while, you sell both of these products. Uh, but that took some time, right? I mean, um, it's, yes. it's because you and talked us, we talked about this in, in the pre-interview. Tell us, because it's, it, I see a lot of companies having these kind of things. The initial ideas is not the right one. And so at some point they need to pivot. And, but what it sees a lot of people hold on too long, uh, and sometimes forever, which is 
potentially sometimes going to kill their companies is having those two products to maintain and so on. So tell us about that. So you have this initial dashboarding solution, working with HubSpot team leader and so on. And then you add um, this embed solution. You see some traction on that, but two different use cases, two different personas, I suppose. Um, what's happening there? And, and, and what was the yes. thought process at management level? And, and why didn't you, because it took you, what, 18 months, I yep. think, still to before you, you really retired the first one? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and the main, the main learning is exactly what you mentioned. Huh? Uh, in hindsight, we should have switched, but it's always easier to say afterwards, of course. But we should have switched way earlier um, to the embedded uh, solution. I guess, looking back, I think we, the advantage we had is that, um, of course, uh, you've also been in the early stages. When it came to sales, that was was myself and also with Bruno very, very soon. I guess we were able to handle both cases quite smoothly in terms of persona, in terms of um, technical people to talk to in the embedded case and more like the end user case when you speak about the internal reporting marketplace uh, business model. Um, that grew quite organically. Um, in a way, we still combined both uh, and eventually just by seeing on how, especially the internal reporting side was something that came via the marketplaces. We didn't do any specific outreach. Outbound was very, very much a, a, an inbound driven motion. So we kept on handling those leads because there was always of course, there's still a, like an okay ARR attached to it. But if you just at the certain moment we looked at the numbers, um, looked also just at the, the total ARR, that's still kind of, um, at the certain moment we had like that Pareto difference where the 80-20% rule was applying towards their, our customer segmentation um, that we said, okay, it doesn't make sense to put that much effort still on that 20 or even decreasing market segmentation in terms of um, internal reporting customers, as we call them, that we eventually made the switch. And, and again, we should have done it earlier, but we were afraid. Yeah. Maybe opportunistic just to just, just afraid. I would say more opportunistic that every euro or dollar of error would, um, that came in inbound was still to be considered, but eventually said, no, we should switch, uh, we should pull the, mm -hmm. the switch, uh, yep. hundred percent. So, um. Since you have made uh, this kind of decision, uh, so if I understand correctly, you 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 start building um, a, a data a dashboarding tool actually so that startups don't have to build that. They can embed Cumul uh, completely transparently and instead of spending weeks and weeks of engineering time, um, they embed Cumul and it's just actually almost a configurator um, that you are uh, uh, that you have to to configure so that it's done straight away. So. Obviously, Belgian market is small. There's not many B2B SaaS company or SaaS company overall. Um, what happens next? I suppose, I mean, how did you go? I mean, I know you, you went to the US, you have a team there. What was the, the thought process uh, there? And, and, and tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we currently have uh, nearly 250 customers. Majority are SaaS customers and we're present in I think by now it's like 37 countries um, where today um, our biggest geographies or countries is the US in terms of revenue that only happened, let's say six months ago. Um, but since the beginning, so unwinding back to 2016, but mainly 2017, we, um, yeah, and you can tell as well, Belgium is is a small, even complex country. If you look at languages, et cetera, we said we should, we should look broader than that. Um, and first of all, of course, the whole marketplace uh, initial setup was pretty international. 
uh, for sure. Uh, but then if you look beyond the Ponte, uh, we um, we started joining. There was especially Karel who joined on a on a trip, was a Belgium-led trip towards New York. Be Bold in New York, I think, was mid-2016. And then afterwards, um, there was a more like a PR trip where we also met uh, folks at, at Colibra, for example. And we now have Stan, uh, the, the former CTO and still founder of, of Colibra on our boards. That's where the relationship started. Um, and then we started, okay, we should go more uh, because those initial concerts were very, uh, very promising. And then we started going, um, I still remember in 2017 that we both, and even Bruno also went for three weeks, um, where we basically, uh, based out of Belgium, uh, in hindsight, a very, um, yeah, very, uh, how would I call it, authentic Naive. way. So really getting out there, trying to leverage the network there. <laughs> Sorry. Naive way. Sorry. A little bit of a naive, yeah, naive maybe. I was a bit of bit of a naive in a way. It was a bit of a, a hustling way, right? So using the the network, we 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 barely knew anyone, and uh, I still also remember that I set a first outbound setup there, um, which is very different from how we do it today. But at least we 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 got we got the ball rolling, and from those initial three weeks, we uh, um, got our one of our biggest customers at the time still with us, a very nice uh, company there. Um, so it, it's, it started reaping results. Um, so that was back in 17. So I eventually went back in 2018. And I think one of the biggest, um, of the, one of the best choices we've made was to look at, um, the Prince, the Prince Albert funds, uh, PAF as they call it here in, uh, in Belgium. It's a, a program uh, that you might've heard about, uh, where they select on a, every year, a 25, um, young professionals that typically have like two, three years of experience. Um, they got selected through a whole uh, process and they're on a mission for typically a year, uh, through the funds and work for a Belgium company, uh, on a, on a biz dev mission, typically abroad. So we welcomed, uh, in 2019 tone, um, black uh, just before COVID, unfortunately, but it actually did very well. So I and the team of the team and I, we helped where we could, uh, eventually in 2019, I was there with him for three weeks. Uh, and then during COVID, um, a lot of things moved even more virtual, but he did, uh, he did a very good job staying on board afterwards because you don't have to stay, uh, post buff, so to say, and he really laid the foundation. Uh, for uh, yeah, basically a whole team to follow. So our marketing manager uh, also joins, and then we start hiring first uh, US uh, folks as well. Uh, and by now we have a team of uh, ten, actually ten people, mainly on the East Coast. Uh, combination of um, sales people, so it's account executives and SDRs. We have also still our marketing manager at the time, and also a VP marketing that joined, and then two solution engineers who help us basically during the onboarding phase of our customers. Good. So, um, that's of course, that now I'm shortening it up in a couple of sentences, but, uh, that took us, um, two years and a half, I guess, to, uh, to have the current team as we have, Yeah, with, but also in COVID time, right? So, uh, maybe, uh, would have yeah. been different if it was not in COVID. So let's talk funding because you guys raised a little bit of funding and, and you're talking about this journey of going to the U S. Um, but it seems that you have been pretty cash efficient in, 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 in growing and especially, I mean, look, going to the U S you hear a lot. I mean, if you go to the U S you need to raise a lot of, a lot of cash, uh, to get there and to make it there. And then, and so tell us a bit about that part. How did you guys do it without, 
burning the house and, and making all the bets. Yes. I guess in general, we, we have taken bets, but as let's say as calculated or as reasonable as possible. Um, on the funding side, we've had two rounds so far, like a seed round end of 2017, and then uh, even three years later. So we didn't typically go for the 1.5, two years. We took three years, we took our time to, um, and also because we, did, we were growing, right? We didn't really need the money, but then eventually end of 2020, we did a, a second round. Um, and indeed not, let's say, large amounts of money, um, still like the, the amount we needed to, uh, to go for a next step. And, and the way we approach it typically is that we aim to, to look for, I mean, we try something out, like for example, with, with the PATH program is a great way to also budget-wise and talent-wise to uh, have a first step in the US. If we see we can um, close these, we can bring in ARR, um, we, we have the support from Belgium in the beginning, it works out, then it makes sense to look for second sales, to look eventually for a local engineer so that we have the, the, the time coverage as well. So that's really the approach we had instead of, let's say, uh, and I've heard stories, especially in New York, where uh, they moved over, other companies moved over, uh, hiring a whole sales team uh, because they're very good at selling themselves, sales folks over there, and eventually need to, to double down again and, and start do a st starting from scratch again. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been our approach on the US side, but in general, a lot of uh, even on the engineering sites, even on product side, where we're putting our first steps right now. That's uh, that's how we've we've done it so far. Great. Uh, I mean, very. That's also the approach going forward. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, you don't have to be uh, to ahead. be to be raising millions and millions in funding. I think it's uh, it's more about yeah. Uh, at some point, also especially with the market, what's happening now, it's making sure you you are never with your back against the wall um and 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 doing the best for the company so it's great thomas thank you so much for your contribution and and participation and honestly it's uh, i love i love the story you guys have built and um to everyone else thank you very much for joining this episode i hope you enjoyed this and stay tuned for the next one you're welcome cheers and that concludes today's episode of the lead with excellence show if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, ratings and reviews are always welcome, and you can certainly share this episode with any of your colleagues or friends who might enjoy it. Thanks for listening.